Thank you very much. There are two uh, justifications for talking about uh, Inyani Tshuva. One possible justification is that a person is uh, gets up to give Divei Musa, Divei Hesorius, in the sense of Noah Doresh, Noah Mekayim. I think that the, uh, the story is told of Rabbi Yuchem, the Mashkiach of, uh, of the Mir, that once he was in the middle of a shmuz, and all of a sudden he, uh, he interrupted himself mid-sentence, and he, he went down from the, uh, went down from the, from the lectern, and uh, was heard saying to himself something to the effect of, uh, who are you kidding? But Rabbi Yuchem wouldn't talk about any midah, wouldn't give Divi Musa about anything, unless he felt that he had already cultivated that, that midah. So that's one basis, one justification for speaking divrei musa, divrei hisorus in inyanei tshuva. Another one is that in order for a person to know what it is that he, she has to accomplish, what it is that he or she has to set as a priority, so... Not 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 in Dorish, but a person has to, as the Mesil Sisharim says, Oz Tovin. A person has to have some understanding as to what what his her goal should be in order to know what uh, what our avoda is in in these days. I I, I speak with the uh, on, on the second uh, on the second basis, not on the first one. In in the little collection of. Uh, some of the sayings from the Gon that they quote from the Bir Hagra and Mishle on the Pasuk of Hachzik b'Musar al Teref Nitzreha Kihichayacha. Hold on to Tzemusar, don't uh, release your grip. Guard over it because it's your life. And the Gon comments in that Pasuk that uh, a person has to be constantly involved in Tikkun Amidos. Because if he's not involved in Tikkun Hamidas, there's no point to life if a person is not in an, on, on, in an ongoing basis involved in Tikkun Hamidas. Perhaps one of the biggest challenges in the realm of Tikkun Hamidas, maybe the biggest challenge in Tikkun Hamidas, is self-centeredness. The reason for this is, is that it's very natural and very innate. Our, by definition, our, our existence is, is we view things from our, in light of our existence, just to, to give a little bit of an example of, of, of what we're talking about. When we talk about uh, events that have happened, so if you talk about the Persian Gulf War 20 years ago, so if you talk to a teenager, so that's something that belongs to the history books because he draws the lines and he defines what's more or less recent history as opposed to what belongs to the history books in terms of when he was born. So if he was born after that event, so then this belongs to the history books. So we all do that, and it's it's uh, it's impossible to 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 do otherwise. So there is a natural self-centeredness that that we all have. My daughter recently told me about an experiment uh, that uh, psychologists have done. 
that they take a, they take a child. I'm not sure exactly what the ages are. They take a child. They have a uh, a model. The child is sitting on one side of the table, and the uh, the psychologist running the experiment is sitting on the other side of the table. And in between, they have a model of a mountain. And on one side of the of the mountain, um, they have a little toy store. They have a, a representation of a store. And on the other side, they have a representation of, of a few houses. So they ask the child, if you're going down the mountain, right, towards where the psychologist is sitting, where they have the toy store, what will you see when you get to the bottom of the mountain? What's the first thing you're going to see? So the child says, well, I'll see a store. Then they ask the child, then if, and if I, the psychologist, I'm going down the mountain on the other side, and right in front of the child are these houses, what will be the first thing that I'll see? So the child can't answer. It's a natural, innate self-centeredness that we have. And it's something that we, we I think, recognize uh, intuitively, which is just uh, very graphically illustrated by that experiment. The, the need to work on, on that meter of self-centeredness becomes especially acute in, in preparing for Rosh Hashanah. The, the, the Swarm quote, I, I saw this uh, very recently in, in a Sefer, Eni Yisrael from Weintraub, Zichron Levocha, that the Zohar HaKadosh comments on, on the following Pesach in Sefer Melocha, Vayihi Hayom, Vayavo Elisha Al-Shunam V'Sham Isha Gedola V'Tachzeg Bo Lecha Lachem, that Elisha passes uh, through Shunam, and there's a great woman there, and she provides for all his needs, and she uh, she makes sure that he has food to eat, and he says to her, How can I repay your kindness? Can I put in a good word for you with, with someone? And she answers, And she says, No, I have no personal needs. I don't need, I don't need, uh, thank you, but, uh, but, but, but no thank you. So the Zohar Kodesh says, Vashashana. That this exchange is happening on Rosh Hashanah, and that the answer of the Isha Gedola, the, 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 the Isha Hashanah, the Isha Gedola is that on Rosh Hashanah, I'm not preoccupied with my individual concerns. I don't want to stand out as an individual, but rather I want to just be part of the cloud. Besoch Ami Anochi Yashavas. On a very different uh, level, now is not the, the time, and, and uh, obviously there's this follow-through in terms of uh, how this gets integrated into uh, Bakoshas on Rosh Hashanah, and, and uh, that needs to be done, but, but that's, not, uh, that's not our focus now. A very different type of Marimokom, the Rambam writes in Hilcha Shofa, in Paragimel Hilcha Shofa, the Rambam writes that Hatzibur Chayov in the Shema Hatkiyos, I'll say the Habrochus. The Rambam is of the opinion that the Chiyov to hear Shofa, not only to hear the, the 30 Kolos of Shofa, but to hear Hatkiyos, I'll say the Habrochus, so the wording in the Rambam suggests that he understands this to be not a Chovas Yachid, but to be a Chovas Tzibur. That, that a Yachid, Kwa Yachid, has no, no chiyuv to hear tkiyos haseh da'abrochus. That's why the Gemara in Rosh Hashanah tells the story that one of the Amoroim couldn't be in Shul in Rosh Hashanah. 
and he was going to have his attendant, he was going to have his Baltokea blow for him in the middle of the, in the, the Shon Esrei, and they tell him, no, it says in the verse that that the Tkiyos HaSeda HaBrochos is reserved for Tzibor. Now, Tkiyos HaSeda HaBrochos represents the ideal Kiyom of Malchios. The ideal Kiyom of Malchios is to say the Pesukim of Malchios, and then to, then to blow the shofar. To say the psuke zechronos and then to blow the shofar. So it means that the full kiyum, the, 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 the optimal fulfillment of malchios is only, is only possible b'tzibor. Is only possible b'soch ami anochi yoshavis. When a person is, uh, again, not preoccupied with himself as an individual, but rather b'soch ami anochi yoshavis. Why is that? So we have the Aloshan from the Rishonim that ain't melech below Am. That Adon Olam Hashem Olach B'terem Kol Yitzir Nivra Da'is Nasa V'chef Tzokol Azayim Melech Shmel Nikra Then HaKadosh Baruch Hu HaKadosh Baruch Hu Azayim Melech Shmel Nikra HaKadosh Baruch Hu His name was known He was called as Melech after creating after creating the world. The Rishonim have Aloshan that ain't melech below Am. Meaning, a yochid can recognize his own dependence, his own uh, subordination to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and each of us should do this as yechidim as well, but the ultimate malchias can only be b'tzibor, that ain't melech below am. And perhaps this is uh, reflected in the fact that Chazal reserved the fullest kiyum of malchias in terms of tkiyos ha'seid ha'brochos, dafke b'tzibor, ha'tzibor chayom v'neshmoa, ha'tkiyos ha'seid ha'brochos. So in, in preparing for Rosh Hashanah, the, the need to work on the, the natural self-centeredness, which I think everyone has to a degree, becomes more acute than ever. But clearly, it's more acute before Rosh Hashanah, but it's a constant priority in, in our Avodas Hashem. And here perhaps just to clarify one point, Chazal clearly acknowledge this preoccupation with oneself and one's own concerns in La'olam Yasagodim Betovim Mitzvah Safilu Shalolishma. Shemitov Shalolishma Bolishma is an acknowledgement, again, of one's sort of selfish motivation. And as the Rambam writes in. Uh, in the Hagdama to Perish and Mishnayis and Perakhelik, it represents a concession that, that Chazal Hitiru, that Chazal allowed, they gave a dispensation that a person should be allowed to act on that self centered uh, motivation in terms of his Talmud Torah and, uh, and also mitzvahs. But Chazal allow the self centered motivation. But they don't allow a self-centered Avodas Hashem. There's a difference between an Avodas Hashem where my motivation is to a degree self-centered as opposed to where the Avodas Hashem is itself self-centered. And perhaps maybe to give a few illustrations and then all intended as Tain L'chofam V'yechkam Od. So I'll begin with them. I'll begin with something that, that happened that happened to me this summer. We, we uh, had the schus to be in Eretz Yisrael, and, and one one Shabbos we were in the, the, the old city. Friday night I was davening in the uh, Ramban Shul, where Rav Nebensal uh, davens uh, a lot of the time. So between Kabbalah Shabbos and Mariv, he gives a Dvar Torah. 
And as all of you know, if you've ever heard of Nebim Sal speak, he speaks very, very softly. I don't have the most uh, acute, uh, my hearing isn't uh, the most acute, so I was having trouble, uh, I was having trouble hearing him. So I stood up a little bit to, to lean forward to be able to, uh, to be able to catch what, what he was saying. Not aware of the fact that in so doing, I was now obstructing someone else's uh, path and uh, blocking the sound waves and, and making it more difficult, if not impossible, for that person to be able to hear. So I, I get a tap on the, on the shoulder and was very embarrassed to, to realize it wasn't intended to embarrass me, it was just intended to get me to sit back down, and was very embarrassed to realize that I was, uh, that in my uh, zeal or overzealousness to try to hear, so I was just interfering with someone else someone else who had the uh, equal interest and equal right, probably more than equal right, he probably done there every, uh, every Friday night, in, in, in their listening. So that, unfortunately, is, uh, is a good example of, again, maybe a little bit of a minor example, but not insignificant, of uh, self-centeredness in, in Avodah Hashem, that one pursues one's Avodah Hashem at the expense of uh, at the expense of someone else, certainly without any awareness of b'soch ami anochi yashavus. The self-centeredness often expresses itself. Our self-centeredness will often express itself through a certain sense of entitlement, whether take the example. Let's say if a person's at a simcha. So we, we get waited upon. So there are waiters who uh, who serve the, the meal and uh, and, uh, and and bring the drinks. So sometimes we just sit there without any acknowledgement of, uh, of of the service being provided. The rationale being, well, they're getting paid, and it's their job. So what am I uh, obligated to to acknowledge them? Again, it's uh, that sense of of entitlement the sense of not uh, recognizing the other person, that the other person is, is, uh, he's also a person, if Bishvili Nivaholam, so Bishvilo Nivaholam also, to acknowledge with a, with a thank you, HaKoros HaTov, in any and in all contexts. In more, in bigger areas with the, Self-centeredness, again, it's often subtle. It's not something that, that, that we necessarily associate with selfishness. It, it surfaces in, in the following. Sometimes we have the attitude, let's say a person is, is comfortable and can afford to make a very lavish simcha. So his son is becoming a bar mitzvah, or uh, marrying off a child, he's going to make a very lavish simcha, and uh, the, he's going to run up a bill of uh, six figures. It's going to be a very, very, uh, very lavish simcha. So often, I think the attitude that we have is, you know, I, I have the money. I'm not, uh, I'm not encroaching upon anyone else. I'm paying my own bills. So it's you know, well within, well within my rights to, 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 to sponsor such a simcha for my son, for my daughter, whatever the case may be. And this, while simultaneously we probably on a daily basis get mailings 
about the whether it's poverty, pockets of poverty in Kal Yisrael, or whether it's uh, the much discussed in in, in uh, recent uh, days and weeks and months, the much discussed uh, tuition crisis in our communities. So it's also, the truth is, I think if we're honest with ourselves, and hopefully before Rosh Hashanah we can do that, there's also a certain self-centeredness there. That notion that my money is, is mine, which isn't, which to a degree is correct, Alpidin, but to a degree is, is totally off, Alpidin. The money is mine, no one else can help themselves to it, but I'm meshubed to be giving tzedakah. There's a, there's a shibud to give tzedakah. Exactly what type of kfiyah the Gemara in Ksubis is talking about when the Gemara says that, that, uh, that rather engaged in, in, in kfiyah, in coercion, that people should give tzedakah is subject to machogis who shown them exactly how that, that coercion is played out, but it's not that the money is is mine, that the problems which exist in Kali Yisrael, it's not someone else's problem, and when I uh, give however much money I give, so I'm going with Nimishur Sadin. The Rav Zafan would often comment when, uh, in, in my youth, I, I think... It, there was a different uh, forum in uh, earlier uh, generations, but, but when I was uh, growing up in Boston, so the rabbi used to give a drasha in Motzei Shabbos. It wasn't, it wasn't a shir, it was a drasha. And uh, a, a theme that he often, ret- often returned to in those drashas was he used to contrast the Torah's idea of morality with the Western sense of morality. And the favorite example he gave is the attitude towards Stoka. That in the, the to the Western mind, so tzedaka philanthropy is something which is the fnim yishur sadin. It's something where a person is going beyond the letter of the law. It's something a person uh, has no obligation to do. And again, the the word charity, charitableness, suggests that a person is going beyond what he really has to do. And that's what the Rav always used to say. And in the halacha, so tzedakah is a chiyah. There's nothing which is l'fnim yishur sadin about giving tzedakah. HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives person, gives person money. He has the will without to give tzedakah. So a person is supposed to feel that he's a gabai tzedakah. He's not supposed to feel that this is my money and therefore no one has a right to, to say anything. There's nothing wrong if I want to, however much money I want to blow on, on a simcha is no one's business. No, I could have who gives me money, so I'm a gabai tzedakah. So, ain't a the fact that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave me the money, so that does mean something. It does mean something in terms of how that money is allocated, but it doesn't mean that I have no responsibility towards others in terms of how I use that blessing which HaKadosh Baruch Hu bestowed upon me. The uh, Beis HaLevi has a very, very beautiful marshal in Pasha's Truma. He comments on the phrase, V'yikhuli Truma, again, as many others, the Medrash already comments that it should really have been the truma. You, you give money, you don't take when you're giving tzedakah. So the Beis Aleib gives a moshal like this. He says that our real um, connection to money, he says, it's like uh, he, he gives a moshal, you have this gigantic uh, cube of, of sugar, and you have this uh, tiny, uh, tiny insect, and the insect is... Uh, is trapped inside a trunk together with this, with this tremendous cube of sugar. Now, even if the insect wants, it can't pick up that cube of sugar and transport it wherever it wants 
and take it. So the, the, the insect thinks, kind of foolish, that, oh, here I am, this is my cube of sugar. But the mice can't, can't do anything with it. So that's what the Beis HaLevi says also. That's really what we are with our money also. The only way a person can really hold on to his money is when a person takes his money and gives stalker. A person takes his money and gives stalker, so then a person is, is holding on to his money because he, uh, he, he translated that into an eternal zechus uh, that he has. A person just uh, holds on to his money, whether it sits in the bank or whether he uses it to, uh, again, for, for lavish expenses, a person is not really, uh, he's like the fly in the, uh, in, in, in the chest with the, the cube of sugar, the Beis HaLevi says. The, the, he quotes the Gman Bavavasu, that the Munbaz HaMelech opened up the, uh, the treasure houses of, uh, of the kingdom and, and, and gave Tzedakah and says that Avosai Gonzul Acher, that my ancestors, they saved money for other people. He says, I'm saving for myself. And he gave it all away to, to Tzedakah. So the truth is, that's kind of intuitive. But I think the reason that, that we fail to intuit that attitude towards money is because of, of a natural, again, self-centeredness which we haven't succeeded in, in, in refining and overcoming. So instead, we view it as ours and therefore it's, uh, I'm well within my rights to do, to do whatever I want with it. But in, in truth, the money is not mine. The same is true, again, also in that area Often, I think, when, when we're approached for money, whether we're approached by uh, Nebuch individuals who they themselves have uh, been reduced to having to ask for money, or whether we're uh, approached by very, very noble people who are acting as, as Gaboid Stoker, so often we feel imposed upon, and that attitude uh, is conveyed, whether verbally or through body language, but that attitude gets gets conveyed. The truth is that Godoham Asa Yosemina Oso, when the Gabbat Stalker comes over to us, what he's doing is, uh, is is much more than what we're doing. And that we owe him a Yashikayach for, for giving us for giving us the mitzvah. So what do we give if the Ani asks and we give X dollars? Ish Yada. We give X dollars, okay, so that's what we gave out of our pocket, X uh, X dollars. And what did he give us? So he gave us a mitzvah, which remains the Doris, which remains the Netzach So it's not clear who did whom the, the, the greater favor. I did him the favor, or, or, he did, or he did me the favor. But again, there's a certain self-centeredness which prevents us from, from seeing that. And really, the attitude we should have is, again, whether approached, again, doesn't mean that, that we shouldn't check to make sure that the, that the only, that the cause is, is for real and is genuine. But, but given that, uh, having established that fact, that it is for real, that it is genuine, so the, the truth is that that person is being mezak and me. He's doing me a favor. He, the only, the government stunk, is doing me a favor. I'm not doing him a favor with uh, whatever, whatever meager amount I'm, I'm giving him. We mentioned the example in terms of the, the, the tuition. So here too, it's, it's a halacha, I think in, in, in Choshen Mishpat, it's discussed in, in the simon of, uh, of different taxes which are levied upon a, a community. 
that one of the taxes is to provide for malandim, that there should be a malande, malande tinokos, that the respond it's not that, that when the, uh, if the, if the father can't afford to pay, so then the, the responsibility does shift to the, to the community. And again, it's something where, it's, it's a halacha that we would be much more in sync with and would respond more naturally to, to the degree that we're able to, to work on and to overcome the self-centeredness. In reality, chesed demands this, this refinement or this transcending the natural self-centeredness. There are two, uh, two, two, two stories. One is a Meister Shahoya, and the other presumably is, uh, is I, don't, I don't know what it is, but they both illustrate the, the, the point very, uh, very, very beautifully. The, point, the story is told of the Beis HaLevi, that, that a woman comes to the Beis HaLevi before Pesach, and she asks whether or not you can use milk for the Abakosos. So the Beis HaLevi stops, and he ponders... And then he asks the woman to wait for a minute, and he goes over to a drawer, and he takes out a, a wad of bills, and he comes back and says to him, no, I don't think you can use uh, milk for the abacosos, and by the way, here, take this, and, and uh, you know, see, maybe there's something you can, uh, something extra you can get for, for Yonta with it. So after the woman leaves, so all the Bnei Basel of the Basel Levi are very uh, puzzled as to what happened. The woman comes in, and she asks a foolish question, and he sits and ponders over it like it's a kasha of Kivega. And then what's more, she walks away for her efforts, she walks away with a, with a wad of bills. So the Beis Levi says, first of all, whenever anyone asks a question, so a Rav has to relate to the question very seriously. A Rav has to validate the questioner, otherwise the person's going to be hesitant to come with questions in the future. Second of all, he said, perhaps she doesn't know that you can't use milk for abacosos. But she certainly knows that after eating fleshics, you can't drink milk. If she was contemplating using milk for abacosos, so obviously it means that they're so destitute that, that she's not planning on having any, uh, any fleshics at the Seder. So that's why I gave her the, the money for, for the Tzorke HaChag. So what uh, distinguished the Beis HaLevi? So usually the story is told to illustrate his brilliance, his genius. And... Uh, I suppose it does illustrate that as well, but what it really illustrates is his ability to see something from someone else's vantage point. From, from our vantage point, so it's a silly question, and if anything, it's just uh, sort of an annoyance of why should, uh, why should this great man's time be taken up with, with a silly question. From the Beis HaLevi, saw things from her vantage point. He wasn't just so so consumed with his own, his own vantage point, he understood what it reflected from, from, from her end. The, the, other, the other story is told of uh, a Chassidish Rebbe. He's speaking at uh, Shalashudas in, in Yiddish, of course, and, and the Chassidim are hanging on, uh, on, on every word. And then this, uh, this crude, boorish farmer pushes his way through, and gets to the front and, and interrupts the, 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 the Rebbe's drasha and uh, says, you know, Rebbe, my, my horse doesn't pull the wagon the way it used to. What should I do? And, uh, and he's not speaking Yiddish, he's speaking in the vernacular. 
So the, the Hasidim are aghast at, at this chutzpah, the Echshu, they contain themselves, and the Rebbe says, you know, try adding a little sugar in with the oats, and maybe that will, uh, maybe that will solve the problem. He resumes the Debe Torah, the Chassidim again are, 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 are soaring when, when they're listening to the, uh, to the Debe Torah. And again, just as they've been able to sort of overcome the deficit of the, the previous interruption, so who's back again? The farmer is back again. And he says, no, Rabbi, that's not going to do it because I already tried it. You have to give me another eight. So the rabbi says, I think you should check the horseshoes. Sometimes when, if the horseshoes no longer fit well, so then it's very painful for the, for the horse to walk, to trot. And that could be what's, uh, what's interfering. At this point, the, the, the Hasidim are beside themselves, but still they, they, don't, they don't react. The rabbi resumes the Deva Torah, and then a third time the farmer comes and begins asking a question. So this time the Hasidim are moving to, to bodily a victim. At which point, the Rebbe says to the Hasidim, he says it in Yiddish so that the, uh, that the, the farmer won't be embarrassed, he won't understand. He says, don't you understand? He says, he's not talking to me about his horse. He says, I'm a big uh, equestrian expert here. He can, there's, no, there's no better mumche for him to consult about the horses. He says, he wants to have a kesha with me. He really wants to have a kesha with the revolution. He, he wants to have a connection with me. He says, he never went to Cheder. He says, you want to have a connection with me? You ask me a kasha on Chumash and Rashi. Ask me a kasha on a Mishnah, on, 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 uh, on a Dav Gemara. He has no, he doesn't speak that language. He's been out in the field working with his father since he was three years old. The only thing he knows is horses and farm life. So it's the only thing he can talk about, but that's really what he wants. That's really what he's looking for. And the base, and that's what the and that's what the, the, the rabbi tells the chassidim. Again, what what's expressed in that beautiful story is that in order to be able to recognize the need for chesed and then be able to do chesed, we can only do chesed if we recognize the need for chesed. We have to try to overcome again that natural self-centeredness which we have. Just in in concluded in conclusion. So how do we go about halacha l'maisa? So we know that there is this challenge in terms of tikkun amidas. We gave a few illustrations. So how do we go about it halacha l'maisa? How does a person go about uh, when a person recognizes a, a, a certain uh, shortcoming or a certain flaw in in himself? So how does a person go about uh, affecting tikkun amidas? So basically, in this forum, we find two different uh, approaches. One approach is that Rambam talks about this in, in Hechel's day, as the Sefer Achilach famously talks about it, Ramchal famously talks about it. If a person acts a certain way, so then it helps instill within him, it helps cultivate within him that, that midah. So Ramchal says that even if a person doesn't feel a, a, a tremendous islavus. If a person will force himself to act with reasons, if a person will force himself to run to the base medrash, a person will force himself to run to shul, he doesn't really feel, really he feels kind of lazy, he feels kind of uninspired. But if a person will, will force himself day in, day out, to, to run to the base medrash to learn, to run to shul to daven, to run to do a mitzvah, to run to do a chesed, so then, then Ramchal writes, so that then creates the islavus. His love was expresses itself through his reasons, but acts of his reasons help create 
and help generate the Hislavas as well. So the more we the more we engage again in actions, again, whether it's whether it's the simple thing of, of looking before we stand up to get a, a better position to be able to hear a a a, a devout Torah, the, the more the more we say a thank you, the more we we, we try to give stalker, the more we try to tone down our lavish spending to provide for what we think of as other people's needs, so the more that chips away at that natural self-centeredness. That's one approach in general to Tikkun Amidus. The other approach, which one finds in, in this form, in, in, in Tikkun Amidus, we have this in Ramchal as well, you have this, the, the Ramot talks about it, is that a person spends time reflecting upon certain basic ideas. If there's a certain basic hashkafa that I know should be governing and dictating my actions, but I realize that, that it's not. I realize that, again, that a sense of besoch ami anochi yoshavis is what should be guiding me, not, not the natural self-centeredness. If a person sits quietly, away from the distractions of uh, cell phones and, and, and everything else, and sits quietly and reflects upon that day in, day out, so that, that that reflection also helps it seep in and helps a person internalize. And that's what the Ramah talks about, Kisha Yosem Ho'odem Alibo. That's why when Chal writes in the Hagdam to Mesilas Yishorim that he intends the Mesilas Yishorim not to be read once, but he intends the Mesilas Yishorim to be read and be read again and again because it's that constant reflection upon basic ideas which helps us make the transition from V'yodata Hayom so I hope you should all have the siyata deshmaya to be able to to, to, to to make progress in this and uh, wish you all a good year.